Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. The following podcast is from the Sword of the Spirit Bible Conference. This is the afternoon service of Saturday the 25th of February 2017, entitled, Looking for What You Lost. And the Bible readings are taken from Luke chapter 15 verse 8 and Philippians chapter 4 verses 1 to 4. Here's Pastor Brian Beaver. A friend of mine named David Lancaster, he's a young man who uh, I'm going to be part of his ordination uh, service. He's going to take a church in Denton, North Carolina, but he surrendered under to, uh, to, to the ministry under uh, under my ministry a few years back, and I'm doing his um, uh, <laughs> I'm doing his ordination service uh, in about uh, two and a half three months. But we were driving to a revival meeting, and, and he's one of these guys who. For all intent and purposes, is a, is a pessimist. He he, and he don't mean mean to be that way, but he just he is. He's kind of one of those guys that you know it, it never going to be on time. We're always going to be late. This is going to be bad. This is and, I, and I'm like I'm trying to pray that God would really uh, speak to him about that area in his life. But but we were going to a meeting. He said, "Can I ride with you?" I was preaching in a little place called New Hope, North Carolina, and he wanted to ride along with me. And we got about halfway there, and he looked at his watch and he said, "Preacher, we're not going to get there on time." There's no way we're going to get there on time. I said, man, just calm down. We're, we're an hour away and there's no traffic. Well, about 15 seconds after I said that, I saw red lights and traffic stopped at a dead stop on Highway 29. I said, man, Lord, please do something because I, I didn't want him to be, you know, his pessimism uh, to, to win. And so I said, Lord, please make a way that we can get out of this traffic jam. Well, it was stopped for about 10 minutes. He said, we're really not going to make it. We're not going to make it to the meeting. Well, I said, let's just pray right now. And I said, God, please allow us to get there in a safe fashion, get there orderly, get there in time, and uh, and, and, and we'll praise you for it. No sooner had I, I, I opened my eyes from praying that I looked in my rearview mirror and cars behind me were falling off on the side of the road, just like this. And I looked behind me and coming at, at a breakneck speed was an ambulance. Amen? Woo, 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 woo. Here he come. And I... I'm going to be honest with you. I asked for forgiveness after this, but we was already late. I mean, I knew I was late. So you know what? When that ambulance went by me, I fell in right behind him, 75, 80 mile an hour. And I said, help's on the way, amen. Help's on the way. And you know what? We got there on time. Now you say, preacher, listen, I know I just broke the law. I asked for forgiveness, but I did do that. Uh, but we did get there on time. But you know what? Here, here's my point. The Bible says that we have a hope that endures. We have a help. We have a helper. And, and young people, I want this to be a help to you tonight. Okay? I want you to look at what, what Jesus said. Jesus said in Luke, 10, Luke 19, 10, and, and, and by the way, this is the, the story of Zacchaeus. And, and most of you know the story. I don't have time to go into all of that, but I want you to look at what Jesus said. He said, this is the sole purpose of why I've come. He said, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save. What's the next word? That now, now, you know, we read over words. But it didn't say the Son of Man has come to seek and to save those who were lost. <laughs> By the way, that's why Jesus came is to redeem us. Man, I had an interesting conversation today with a Muslim. <laughs> For about 35 minutes while y'all were singing, I appreciate your prayers. Uh, it was an interesting time. Most of you that go and live in this area, uh, Antonio told me he's a regular. And, uh, and so I... But but we had a great conversation. We left on cordial terms. I agree to disagree with everything he said. And uh, but you know what? Here's the 
Here's what it is, folks. Jesus Christ came to save that guy. Jesus Christ died for him. And you know, here's the truth of the matter. You can get caught up in all the theological terms. You can even know the Word of God. This, This guy, did he not say this? Did he not know the Word of God? I began to quote Scripture, and he'd tell me exactly the verse of Scripture where it was at. And I said, you know what your problem is? You know the Word of God, but you don't know the God of the Word. See, the problem, young people, is this. Most, you have to get somebody lost before they can ever get saved. That guy's got enough religion and enough other philosophical and theological thoughts that he thinks that that's going to be good enough when he stands before the thrice holy God of Israel to say to him, I've done all these works. Did they not say, did not Jesus say, many will come unto me in that day and say, Lord, Lord. Did we not cast out devils? Did we not preach in your name? Did we not do many wonderful works? And he'll say to them in that day, depart from me, ye that work iniquity, I never knew you. Well, Jesus came to seek and to save not just those that were lost, but it says that which was lost. And I'm going to be quite honest with you. I'm not an English teacher. I guess you can tell that. Some of y'all just laughed. You shouldn't have done that. You need to ask for forgiveness. But I do speak American. Amen. But the word that has a very broad meaning if you think about it. Jesus came to receive. He came to seek and to retrieve that which is lost. Let me ask you a question tonight. And we just got a few minutes. But what have you lost tonight? Some of y'all in this room, you know what? You've lost certain things in your life. You've lost your passion. You've lost your zeal. You've lost your boldness. You've lost your joy. You've lost your contentment. Some of y'all have lost your mind. Amen. And you say, you know what? Jesus just didn't come to save your soul. He came to retrieve what you've lost. And in order to find what you lost, you've got to be looking for it. You've got to go look for it. I want you to look at a passage of Scripture that Jesus was preaching to. I want you to look back at Luke 15. Look at Luke 15. Just a few pages back. Luke chapter 15, let your eyes fall to verse number 8. Jesus said, and I love the way he taught. He said, you know, the shepherd when he's, you know, when he's found out that he lost one of the sheep of the hundredfold, he left the ninety and nine and go to look for the one that's lost. You know, when I wasn't looking for God, he came looking for me. When I wasn't looking for him, Bruce, he came looking for me. And what you've got to realize is Jesus Christ didn't come to save your soul. He came to retrieve and to to, to recover in your life what you've lost. But let me explain something, folks. As much as God, and by the way, salvation is all of Him. And I'm not trying to add to it or take from it. I'm just telling you right now, salvation's all of God. We make a decision, but all the work was done. All of it in the eternity past in the mind of God, it came from Him. But young people, it's all of God. You've got to make a choice. And see, if you're going to retrieve or to recover what you lost, I want you to think about right now in your mind what you've lost. that you, Last year you had when you were here, but now you don't. 
What is it two weeks ago that you had, but now you don't? Because I'm convinced, Brother Jay, there's a lot of things in this world that can entrap us and can, can steer us away from what we had at one time. And you know what? If you're not careful, you'll lose sight of what you have and get your eyes on what you don't have. Isn't that a lot like, you know, you think back to the Garden of Eden. And you know, Eve, she looked, listen, you want to know, you want to know why Eve partook of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? It's because it was the one thing that she could not have. She took her eyes off of the multiplicity. Adam and Eve took their eyes off of the multiplicity of things they had in the garden and got their eyes on the one thing they could not have. And some of you get up on Sunday mornings and getting ready for church and you look into your closet and you say, I just don't have anything to wear. The closet's bulging. You can't even get the door closed. There's shoes galore just like a waterfall coming out onto the floor. And you look into the closet and say, I just don't have anything to wear. No, the problem is you saw a dress you don't have. That's what you're saying. Amen. Come on now, help me out. You saw a pair of shoes that you don't have, but you want them. And the problem with us many times, young people, and I can speak to you from experience, is we get our eyes off the, listen, the multiple things that God, the graciousness that God's given us, and we get our eyes off of that, and we focus on the one thing we don't have. I want to ask you a question tonight before we close. What have you lost? How do you retrieve what you've lost? Jesus said, I've come to seek and to save that which is lost. I want you to look at what he says in chapter number 15, verse 8. He says, and either what woman having ten pieces of silver, if she what? Lose one of them. If she lose one piece. Now let me explain something. Y'all, I know y'all are smart intellectual crowd. It doesn't mean it's gone. It's still in the house. She just lost it. She misplaced it. It doesn't mean it's gone completely. By the way, let me go ahead and just announce to you right now that there's no way, and I want to tell you this is not a Baptist thing. It is a Bible thing. It wouldn't matter if there was Baptist or anything on our side. This is what we believe because it's that book. Amen? Once you become a born-again believer and you genuinely put your faith in Christ, you are secure and you are assured that your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life and you're going to go to heaven. Amen? Amen. And I don't give you a license to do whatever you want to do. But it does give you liberty in Christ to follow Him. See, I'm not preaching greasy grace tonight. Where once you get saved, the grace of God just covers you. You can do whatever you want to and have your little religious calisthenics on Sunday. Go get confession. Go and tell God what you've done. And then go back on Monday and keep doing the same thing you're doing. The Bible says, what shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? When I got saved, I didn't become perfect, but thank God I'm progressing in Christ. God ain't done with me. And let me tell you something. Every one of us are growing in grace. But when you get saved, Alex, you know what? The day you got saved, you put your hand in the hand of God. Amen? Now I'm going to be God and I want you to be you. Alright? That's a stretch, ain't it, brother? That is a stretch. I'm God. But think about this. The Bible says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my... You know there's times in our life, Alex, and you know what I'm talking about, 
where we want to let go, don't we? But guess what God don't do? God don't let go. Amen. God don't let go. Amen. We're secure. So you can't lose your salvation. Amen. That ain't a Baptist term. That's a Bible term. You can't lose it once you got it. So what's it talking about here? Either what woman having ten pieces of silver lose one piece? It's still in the house. She just can't find it. What did she do? Let's look at what she did. If she lose one piece, doth not what? Light a candle. Let's continue on. And what? Sweep the house. And seek diligently till she find it. Now young people, I know this is I'm just a meat and taters guy. I don't have a bunch of I don't have a bunch of hoops I jump through. I'm just giving you what God's given me. And you know what? Here's what we've got to do in order to find Bruce what we lost. If we want God to help us to retrieve and to, we give the given the strength to look for what we lost, there's a couple things that have to happen. Number one, it says she lit a candle. You know what the problem is in some of your lives? Now I'm not saying you're a bad person or but you know, I preach in a lot of places, especially Christian camps, Christian schools, and by and large, the cream of the crop in our country, in America, their problem is, is that they say they know how to defeat the enemy and to get a hold on some of these things that's got a hold of them. But the fact of the matter is, they ain't no 12-step program going to help you. The only thing that's going to help you is the Word of God. And if you're going to retrieve what you lost, you first must put some light on the situation that you've lost something by. You gotta put some light around it. John even said it this way: He that if we walk in the light, he is in the light. Did you hear that? If we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Let me tell you what it says after that. If we confess our sins, He's what? Come on now, help me out. Faithful and just to forgive us our sins. You want to know why you know that? Because you surround your situation with light. Now, let me, let me tell you something. I'm looking at you right now. Okay? But do you know what? I'm looking at you, but I can see Antonio right behind you. But I'm, I'm focused on you. See, you can see a lot of things, but you can only focus on one thing at a time. You know what's amazing? When you go into a room that's dark, you're, you know what the pupil of your eye does? It gets larger, doesn't it? Because it's trying to it's trying to widen out and get you what you call the night vision. But do you know what happens when you turn the light on? Your pupil gets smaller. But you know what happens when the pupil gets smaller, Alex? The greater the focus. And you know what I think? I know what Paul meant when he said, this one thing I do. He said, I want God to put light on my situation so I can narrow down my focus. See, if you're going to find what you lost, y'all going to have to put some light on your situation. If you want God to help you with your tongue and how you talk to people, by the way, I said this Wednesday night, you know what? Sometimes I have a love-hate relationship with certain things in my life. I love what certain things do for me, but I hate what it does to me. Amen? I love. I said this 
mentioned that. I love chocolate. Amen? I love what it does for me. Hey man, when everybody else has forsaken me, chocolate's never forsaken me. In the midnight hours, when I'm in the depths of discouragement, chocolate's always there for me. Amen? Come on now, help me out. See, I love what it does for me, but I hate what it does to me. See, when I eat too much of it, I get a migraine that lasts for about 48 hours. You know what? In order for some of you in here to find what you lost, there has to be a love-hate relationship with certain things. You're going to have to learn. Can I say this? Listen to me now. You're going to have to learn some things to hate. I hate laziness. See, I know people that say, I, I hate being late, but you never hear them say, I love being early. <laughs> Come on now. See, because if you hated being late, you wouldn't hit the snooze button 22 times in the morning. Come on now, help me out. You've got to put light. If you're having trouble with laziness, remember these verses. Now, is it, listen, Ecclesiastes 9.10 says, Whatsoever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. Colossians 3.23 and whatsoever you do, do it heartily as of the Lord and not of a man. See, you put light around your situation. If you've got a problem with your tongue, the Bible says let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. But that which is good to the use of building up, that's why. A soft answer, some of y'all ain't going to like this one. Proverbs 15, 1. A soft answer turns away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. How many of y'all would agree with me that when you get angry, Sometimes it's fun getting angry because you can get your way. You know what? When you get angry sometimes with people, you can get them to do stuff that you want. But the problem is, the problem is you're all alone after you get what you want because nobody wants to be around you. Yeah, you can say it. You can say amen or oh me, whichever one you want to say. But see, there's some time that there's going to have to be a time in your life where you like you put some light around your situation if you're going to find what you lost. Number two, it not only said that she lit a candle, but it said she what? Swept the house. Oh my. Now I'm going to start meddling. It's going to get real quiet. You know what's going to have to happen in some of your lives to find what you lost? Is not only put a light around a situation, but do some cleaning up. You're going to have to sweep the house. You're going to have to get rid of your anger. See, a lot, you're going to have to get rid of your bitterness. You're going to have to get rid of your greed and your pride. Man, I'm God's gift to the ministry. That's what some of you think. If you're not careful, you know what? You'll start to believe that, and you won't become a servant. By the way, every one of you in here, when you get in your future ministry, and I believe that there's a lot of you in here is going to have ministry in your life, you better learn that, you know what? If you don't serve in the shadows, you better not ever ask for the stage. Elisha poured water on the hands of Elijah for 11 years before he ever did anything in the ministry. I'm telling you right now, there's got to be a level of humility. Of humility. To this man will I look. Isaiah 66, even to him that is poor and of a contrite spirit and one that trembles. When's the last time, Brother Dave, we ever seen anybody tremble at the preaching of the Word of God? You know what I believe we need? I know what we need in America. You as young people know what you need in your country. But I can tell you right now, if we're going to find what we lost, number one, you got you got to light a candle. 
Number two, you got to sweep the house. You got to do some cleaning up. This is where we're at. I got a, I, I got a, a bin full of trash here. All right. Let's say we're going to have a Sunday after Sunday service cleanup. We're going to have a work day at church, and we're going to clean up the church. We've got our little dusters out, and we're dusting off everything. And we walk all the way around all the trash. And we dust the chairs off and we dust this off. And you know, we're gonna go around this trash and we're gonna clean this up. And we're gonna overdo the flowers and get them right. And the whole time we walk around a pile of trash on the floor. What kind of sense does that make? See, here's the problem. A lot of you in here are bypassing the real issue. You've got a heap of trash. What good's it going to do for you to go to church on Sunday and raise your hand and shout and say praise the Lord and you've got a bin full of trash in your life that you bypass every single day and the Holy Spirit of God has put His finger on it and said you need to clean that up and you say, oh, I'm okay. Compared to her or him. Maybe I was talking to a guy in a church that I preach at in, in Mississippi, down in the Gulfport area. He told me, he said, you know what, it hit me one day. He said, when we were at camp and you preached Sunday night before we went to camp, you came up to me and you said, how are you doing? And I said, fine. And then you looked at me and you checked, you listened. You grabbed my hand and pulled me a little closer to you and said, no, how are you really doing? Isn't it amazing how we can lie? We can, we can shake hands with people, people who be in church and, you know, they'll say, well, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Oh, I'm so, I'm so blessed. Amen. And the whole time you're lying. I knew it was going to get quiet. Because see, if we're going to retrieve what we've lost, we got to clean up the house. There's some cleaning up you got to do. This guy looked at me and he said, Preacher, you had no idea when you pulled me to yourself what struggles I was going through. He said, for almost five years of my life, I've gone home after church, Wednesday nights, Sunday nights, after outreach, I'd go home. I'd get on the computer and I'd pull up pornography. He said, you know what? Every time I'd go to church or I would meet with God's people and they'd come up and say, hey, how you doing? I'm doing great. It'd almost be like he, his, his hand got chained to the wall. He'd go to church the next Sunday. Hey, how you doing, brother? Oh, I'm wonderful. God bless you. Well, now he's chained to a wall. And you know, he said for the first time in his life this past summer, when I looked at him and said, No, there's, how are you really doing? You know what he said? He said, Preacher Brian, won't you pray for me? He said, I think I'm addicted. Guess what happened? He said, It felt like his arm went limp. He got some freedom. One of the chains fell off. Guess what? You can't fight what you ain't willing to face. Until you want to face it, you'll never fight And he said, you know what, over the next few months, he said, preacher, I'm telling you, and listen, I was at a church in his area in November, and he came up to me with tears in his eyes, Brother David, and he said, God's given me victory. I had looked at one pornographic site in three months. I, man, I wanted to charge hell with a water pistol. Amen. I was ready to charge hell's forces because that guy got deliverance. You want to know what he did? He didn't sidetrack and walk around the trash in his life. You know what he did? 
He cleaned it up. He got to put it in a pile. He said, you know what? That's what's got. I'm getting it out of my life. Come on. Y'all want to get what you lost back? You've got to light a candle. You've got to clean the house. Look at number three. I've got to be done. Look what it says. If she lost one piece, does she not light a candle? Sweep the house and seek diligently till she what? Till she find it. I want to ask y'all a question. How long has it been since you quit on the area of your life that you want out? The only person that can, only person can do anything about that is God and you. And by the way, I'm going to say this. God save makes no exceptions. He is no respecter of persons. I don't care if you think you're the stellar young person in your, in your youth group. I don't care how many years you think you have been called into ministry and God's got his hand on you. You better be very careful. You better be very careful that you, listen, you better light some candles. You better put some light on your situation. You better clean the house. And number three, you better seek diligently till you find what you lost. Problem is we got too many people that give up too quick. There's some young people in here right now, and I don't know what area it is in your life, but you know what? You got all these symptoms, all these symptoms. I had a, I had a couple come to me about two years ago and say, Preacher, our kids got ODD. Last time I checked, that spelled odd. <laughs> you know, you've heard ADD, ADHD. She said, my kids got ODD. It's oppositional defiant disorder. Said, won't do nothing, I tell them. I said, I can take care of that if you let me, let me have them for two weeks. Amen. I can take care of that real good. You let them come live with me for two weeks, I can take care of that ODD. We'll at least get the O and the D off the front and she'll just have a disorder. Amen. Just DD. Just D. Her disorder says she's not going to be able to sit down for about three weeks, if you know what I mean. Amen? You know what I asked a couple? They looked at me and the man was like this, Dave. The man was over here standing like this with his hands in his pocket. His wife was weeping. And I looked at both of them and I said, hey, come here, I want to ask you a question. Your kid's got this oppositional defiant disorder. By the way, you think this is weird? I'm leaving that here for a reason. You want to know how uncomfortable that feels for Pastor Larry for me to have trash on the floor here in God's house in front of them? But you know what? Here's the problem. We can go around and lie the rest of our life and you can have a measure of success spiritually in your life, but you can be okay and never experience a movement and revival with God. Because this is all you do. You decide to step the trash or you go over. You know how weird it is to be preaching up here and have to walk around down there? You want to know why you feel so uncomfortable in your life? You know why you can't sit still when the invitation's been given? It's because you got some cleaning up to do. This couple looked at me and I said, let me ask you a question. Do y'all pray together? No. Nah. We fight a lot, but we don't pray together. Do y'all have any time in the Word of God together? <laughs> I work 55 hours a week, preacher, with his hands still in his pockets. I work 55 hours... I just wanted to shake him. You know what I told them? I looked at that couple of days and I said, you know what, I'm 50 now. When I was 29, I couldn't do this. Because I was nervous as a long-tailed cat in a room full of rocking chairs. Amen? <laughs> Worried about what everybody thought. But you know what? Some of y'all get that on the way home. <laughs> Tomorrow. Amen? 
I looked at that couple and I said, you know what? I don't think the problem is with your kid. I said, I think the problem is with y'all. <coughs> Boy, we're really quick to point fingers at somebody else. If you're going to retrieve what you lost, number one, you've got to put some light around the situation. Number two, you've got to sweep the house. You better clean some things up. And number three, you better seek diligently. You know that's what Paul, you close your Bibles. You know that's what Paul wanted in the life of the church in Philippi? The church in Philippi, say this, was a church that was vibrant and God was using it mightily. Paul wrote him from prison and said these words. Listen, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Nineteen times the book talks about joy or rejoicing. Why? Why would God have to use a, a listen an apostle to address a church about joy when he's in a jail cell? You don't know why? It's because they lost it. He got word back that they lost it. And you know what? If you look at if you look at chapter four, and I don't have time to preach this, but if you look at chapter four, it says, "I beseech you, brethren, my dearly beloved, and long for my joy and crown." He says, Jay, so stand fast, church. So stand fast, my beloved. So stand fast, Lord, my dearly beloved. You say, what does that mean? The word stand fast is don't quit. Something that made them want to quit, that they had lost their joy. You know what? I, I told the guys, I was, I was after lunch, told these guys, been doing a study about the underground church in China. A pastor who started with 70 people is over 700 now in an underground church in China where it is absolutely illegal and even at the point of death to do what they do. But do you know what he said grows their church? Five things. Number one, prayer and fasting. Number two, fellowship with God's people. Number three, the proper propagation and the preaching of the gospel of Christ. Number four, now this one was weird, Dave. This one was the one that got me. They said that this is what our church is built on. The daily expectations of miracles from God. Daily they expected God to do a miracle. By the way, every miracle in the Bible started as a problem. But you know what the fifth one was? And it brought my word. This is what they say their church is built on. The acceptance and rejoicing in the sufferings of Christ. You really think we went through any persecution out there on the streets of Burma? These people are dying for their faith in China. And you know what they said? This preacher said this. He said, I spent six years in jail, in prison for preaching the gospel. And he said, six months after I was released, I prayed, God, put me back in because my fellowship with you was sweeter in prison than it is out here. Can I tell you something? That does something for me. What have you lost? The church at Philippi lost their joy. You know what I think? I think the one thing, really, I do have to be done. I've got about two minutes. I'm going to give you this. I believe it's it. I believe God's in this. Some of you in this room are sidestepping the real issue. See, you've got, you've got a fruit problem. The fruit on your tree is not healthy. You, you're, you're, and you know what the problem is? The fruit problem comes from a root problem. If you've got bad fruit, you got bad root. And the issue right now is are you going to take care of that? Because I'm going to tell you right now, God will never forgive your excuses, young people. God is not going to forgive your excuse. 
You're going to have to put some light on your situation. You're going to have to light a candle. You're going to have to sweep the house. Well, when's the last time you sought diligently and you said, God, I'm not giving up? I'm not going to quit praying about this till you deliver me from it. Some of y'all right now, you know what your biggest problem is? You are holding. Some of you in this room have a grudge that you've been holding at somebody for five, six, seven years. You're so bitter. You're so angry. And by the way, you know what bitterness is? Bitterness is you drinking poison and waiting for the one you mad at to die. Angry about what God is sifting through your life. And you've lost your joy. And the only way you're going to retrieve it, because Jesus said, I've come to seek and to save that which was lost. You've lost something in your life. You want to know how to do it? Hey, let me tell you something, young people. Put some light around the situation. Get in this book. It's a sad thing, isn't it? Say this when a Muslim can quote as much scripture as most of us in this room. It's time to clean the house up. Isn't it amazing how we go around? How you doing? Doing great. Liar. <laughs> True. You want to know? You want to know why, Dave, we can't be honest? In most churches, if we really had where it says in James 5, confess ye faults one another and pray for one another that you might be healed. You want to know why we can't do that? It's because we've got social media and people ain't got no spiritual fortitude to keep things in-house, in the family. They go on a social media website or some kind of access and put filth straight off the walls of hell about somebody else instead of just praying for one another. I believe it's time for some people in this room right now to put some light on your situation, do some sweeping, and do some seeking. I, I can't make you. Dear Brother B, can't make you. The only one that's going to do anything in your life that's going to be of any value is him. Him! Nobody looking around. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. I wonder if you'd say this evening before we go into our little, little, little groups, you'd say, Preacher, I'm, I've lost some things. I've lost some things and I need for you to pray for me. That I put some light around my situation that, Lord, that the Lord would help me to do some cleaning up and to seek diligently until I find what I've lost. And just with an upraised hand, I'm not going to point anybody out. I just want to know. And I want to pray for you right now. Anybody like that? My soul, hands all over. You can put it down. Thank you so much. God, please, help us to realize that you are, if we've got pain, you're a pain taker. If we feel lost, you're a way maker. If we need freedom and saving, you're a prison shaken Savior. And if we've got chains, you're a chain breaker. Father, I pray that you'd have your will in your way tonight, especially when Brother Dave preaches, God, let rend the heavens and let us see the power of God fall on this place. God, I pray right now that some young people would, during this time that they spend together in just a few short moments, that they would be willing to be honest before you and before each other and just each of them pray for one another. And God, help us to put some light on our situation. God, look to the Word and to get help and comfort from the things that we're going through. Help us to sweep and do some cleaning up and help us to not just give up but seek diligently.
If there's any root of bitterness, if there's any anger, any greed, any type of division among your body, God, would you do a work right now and meet with your people? In Jesus' name, amen.